pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quackett Smith. Me, oh my, I haven't enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Draft Rugby, the game they play in heaven. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 11 of the Draft Rugby Show, the podcast they play in heaven. I'm your host, Kagi, and tonight I'm joined by Harry Dale, Mate, how are you? And uh, how do you enjoy the rugby on the weekend? Specifically, uh, how do you enjoy the Tars game from the fancy pants seats that you have? Mate, uh, very, very good. I think Nelson and I have come to the conclusion that we are the only members. So that's pretty fun. We've had for the first two home games now two different events, the country event and the women in rugby event. Lovely people to talk to, really enjoyed that. But we haven't seen anyone else's face twice. So very suspicious it's only us, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, we met some good people from up around Tamworth, and we're hoping we can get up there later in the year. They're going to take us, uh, show us the, the scenes of Tamworth, and we'll talk some club footy up there with them, hopefully. Taking draft rugby rural, uh, you know, Absolutely. Out, of, <laughs> out of the country. Love it. And um, and you you might have inadvertently snuck your way into the change room afterwards for a few um, a few players, or just to help treat the players. I think that's what you guys were saying, just putting some more ice on knees and whatnot. Yeah, is that? Yeah, can't confirm or deny that. I was looking for a no comment. Um, <laughs> very good, but that was a great Tars game, though. Um, I I went with um, I took some some mates from work, uh, including a Brazilian bloke and um, uh, and an Egyptian guy who have never been to a game of rugby. So I've got two new Waratahs fans and two new rugby fans. I've converted them. Are you sure um, you didn't get two new Chiefs fans? No, no, no. Uh, this morning, I actually had my Brazilian mate uh, was telling everyone in the office, he's like, I'm a, I'm the he said the Waratahs uh, newest fan, the nice. Waratahs. And I was like, close, but good. Um, and he knew how to answer the question. Uh, everyone else asked, oh, did they win? And he said, almost. I was like, fantastic. That's a true Ooh, fan. Good answer, answer. Good answer. <laughs> My highlight was uh, D-Mac obviously walking out the tunnel ahead of everybody else for his 100th game. And as he gets past Nelson and I in the tunnel in our section, he goes, take it easy on us. And D-Mac just looks at him and goes, thanks, man. <laughs> like, uh, he definitely didn't hear us, but... Good chat. <laughs> and he did. Oh, wow. he, I thought he took it pretty easy on us, to be fair. He did. He did. But particularly back in the 15 jersey. But um, no, very good. There was lots of good footy on the weekend. I don't think you and I have actually had uh, the time to get through all the games yet. Um, but uh, I've watched everyone bar one. Yeah. Oh, well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good effort. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, look, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's touch base on the old podcasts again. Harry, you brought this up just before we started recording. Just a, well, I mean, I know why you brought it up, but. Um, it's because uh, we've been comparing our pod caps to uh, international test caps. And Harry is now sitting pretty on 153 ahead of, um, you know, just some schmuck, uh, Richie McCaw, uh, who had 148 test caps. And um, you've only got one one person left in your sights to track down. Who's that? Alwyn Jones, mate. But he's he's it was 155 last time I checked. He's on 170 now. The bloke's actually playing more test matches more quickly than I can record record podcasts. I'm falling <laughs> behind. I don't know how he does it. He must be playing for three different test nations at this point. It's just outrageous. Mate, I remember I thought he was old at the last World Cup. I, I thought we'd, they'd have to get him a, a walker out there at, in Japan, and he's still going. So um, I, he, he continues to surprise us all, but good on him. Yeah. Uh, and. And look, we want Nelson's on 141, but he's not here tonight to uh, to get another cab. Don't worry about him, man. Doesn't need to mention. And I'm on uh, 123. And as much as uh, Harry enjoys trying to find um, some little known uh, countries players for me to compare my caps to, I've gone with uh, Ken Healy, um, who's still trucking along for Ireland. Uh, you know, six fresh Six Nations winner um, and a fellow prop. Uh, he's 
probably a little, little bit better than I am. Uh, unlike Nelson, you know, I can admit that um, there's uh, pretty much every player on the planet is better than I am. But, um, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, very good. So we're pushing up with the, the podcaps. Um, many more to come. And I, I'm confident that you'll track down uh, Alan Wynne-Jones and get to that 200 mark soon. Looking forward to it, mate. Uh, we have to obviously keep pushing through these. So on that note, let's get into the entree for round five. So first of all, the first game of the week was Crusaders versus the depleted Brumbies, and the Crusaders got up on this one, 35 <laughs> to 17. But it was tight for a lot of the game. I think it was a lot closer than we thought. I had one highlight and one highlight only that I wanted to talk about, and that was Rory Scott's right-to-left pass to Corey Tool, which was absolutely outrageous. I saw DMAC in round one or two throw this flat cutout face ball to the winger left to right. And it reminded me of that. It was just that good. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, you thought you thought when when you saw it, if you didn't run it back, you thought that was a pass from a number 10 or an inside center or something, because it was just so flat out in front and it was a bullet. Um and it was perfect. And I mean, Corey Tool's pretty quick. He doesn't need that much space to get uh to get around someone for the try, but the pass is what enabled him to do so. So yeah, it was incredible from Rory Scott. Some um, fantastic work. But otherwise, you're right. The game was very close um, and it's kind of amazing. I think the commentary was just talking about what could have been if they didn't rest all of their Wallabies. Um, yeah. But yeah, the loss takes uh, the Brumbies, uh, ends the Brumbies' unbeaten run. Um, and yeah, it was just, I don't know, particularly error-prone night for the Crusaders. Loads of drop ball and whatever. So um, really blew that shot there. But um, yeah, it was a good game nonetheless. So uh, lots of lots of experience for some of those new Brumbies players uh, or lesser experienced Brumbies players. But, um, yeah, let's move on to the Waratahs and the Chefs. Uh, we were talking about it earlier. We were there. It was it was really good. Uh, I mean, I perhaps thought the Chiefs might have blown out this game a little bit more, but it was, I mean, it was in the balance with about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes to go. The Waratahs had a real resurgence in that second half. Um, and, you know, like... Went pretty close to winning it. You really felt like momentum was on their side, um, and it was just that last Chiefs try that kind of, you know, got 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 away from them. How do you make it the game? Yeah, I thought the Tars were a hell of a lot better than I thought they were going to be. To be honest, the, the the game did blow out a little bit with that late try from a grabber from Shooter Stevenson to Narawa, which made things look a little too easy. But the Tars mm. defending very, very, very well and far better than what we've seen so far in this season. It's probably more back to how we saw them playing last year. They just didn't seem to have a way to crack the Chiefs' defence and they just didn't look like scoring points, really. Obviously, there was the opportunistic try from Gordon, the long intercept, which was a beautiful read. But they, they needed to find a way to construct more play. They had no possession. They had 39% possession for the game and they just made so many more tackles. I think 136 to 76 was the count that we had there but it was like it was something like 120 at half time so I, it must be more than that yeah. you know, 17 tackles to Hannigan 16 to Parecki and Swinton Walton 15 like huge tackle counts all around they just they just weren't able to actually control the game and get the field position and despite them uh, defending very well the Chiefs did look the dominant side I thought yeah for sure and uh, it was interesting saying so Gatland at 10 and DMAC back to 15 giving Shooter that bit of the rest uh, DMAC was great at 15 but didn't wasn't exactly you know, lighting it up, like you said, I think he, he took it a little easy on us, even if he didn't hear you guys. But um, no, it was uh, yeah, great effort from the Tars and um, a few learnings. It was good to see Dylan Pache back. Um, I mean, he didn't exactly light, he didn't really get opportunities to light it up, but um, but it was looking good. And um, I don't know, I mean, I'm still on team to Lenny C. I want to see him on the field. I mean, Hadigan made a lot of tackles, but yeah, they just need that. They're lacking that punch, uh, as you said, and it seems like. In the, in the end of the game, when a few players came off the bench, they they seemed to find that. Um, you know, with I think Lambert came off the bench, a few other players. So it just, um, 
I don't know what the the formula is there, but uh, it was it was a good game against the absolute informed top of the table Chiefs. So, yeah, I think, yeah. And, and I saw a stat earlier, uh, like at the end of the round, that said the Tars were like second in the comp for gain line. I think was it like the Force were first or something ridiculous, and the Tars were second for the percentage of carries over gain line. Like, so they're, they're getting gain line, which obviously Teleni still is there for as well, but um, just not able to actually take the advantage of it. Mm, for sure, for sure. Well, people that did take advantage of some game line, mate, they put some points on the board. The Highlanders defeating the Drew up 57 to 24 unexpectedly. I mean, I don't know about you, but um, I think going into this, I was, I expected the Drew to win. Just the Highlanders have been abysmal um, most of the season. Granted, they did start the season with losses against the Chiefs, Crusaders and Hurricanes. It's a hard start to a season, but um, yeah, this one surprised me. How did you see this game? Yeah, you're, you're right. I I thought that the uh, the Drew. I was trying to just go back to my tip and make sure I knew what I what I tipped. I actually do think I tipped the Drew the Indrua as well. Um, Honda's defense has just been so so shaky, but they really turned it on and they had so much disruption. They lost Renton Dixon, Thomas Umanga Jensen, and Timu all pre-game. Yeah. Then they lost their rookie center Jake Tehiwi in uh, in like the 19th minute or something. So pushed Sam Gilbert to centers. And they uh, they just didn't seem too phased by it at all. How you can be playing with you know twenty odd players from your top squad injured and and some of your rookies and, and juniors and still put a fifty seven point performance out on the board? I just don't know where it came from. Yeah. The uh, the only way I can think about it is the Indrua had a little bit of a uh, mental lapse there and maybe didn't apply themselves in the way they have in the first few rounds. But um, man, credit to the Highlanders, they took their opportunities and absolutely tasted them. They've now averaged 50 points in their last two games after averaging 14 in the first three rounds. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched this one yet, but I think, yeah, particularly amazing was losing both your starting centres in the in the Highlanders and then losing your backup centres as well and, and against the likes of Revovo and Vota, who had just been lighting it up. Um, so, yeah, the only way I can see this game having going is that the Highlanders did get some points on the board and kind of just really had the momentum. And the Drewer, they don't like to get behind, you know what I mean? Once they get a little bit, the score starts adding up, they do tend to slack off a little bit. So um, It's almost like they chase the game and they go back to their their old habits of just overplaying their hand. But hmm. speaking of that, Revovo could do no wrong. He was on fire. He is. It's um. It's it's tough now with that. They've got three amazing centers. So obviously we know how good Revova and and Vota are from last year and this year. And uh, but we've got Yosefo Marci who had been lighting it up for the first few weeks mm. until uh, Revovo came back. Interesting. Uh, very quiet on the wing as well. Mm. So um, yeah, we'll have to see how that plays out. But uh, next week they're back at home. So big game from them. But we'll get to that. Um, continuing through the games this week. Speaking of big scores. Um, the uh, Moana Pacifica uh, at home at Mount Smart Stadium went down zero, the big donut to 59 against the Hurricanes. Um, huge. So the Canes now moving themselves up to second on the table. And, mate, they were just relentless. <laughs> they absolutely just lit it up, were dominant across the park. And, um, you know, whilst there was a couple of standout performances, you know, I'd say, I have to say, Ray Arce and Adi Sevilla, I mean, everyone was chipping in, you know, like... Um, it, it it was for me. Yeah, just the, the whole team was on fire. Mm. So, um, yeah, definitely go and watch that game if you haven't, because uh, it's just some awesome play from the Canes. But I wanted to speak about the Moana. The only the only things there for me was um, it just seemed like Levi Almua was the only one who could really create anything and um, create 
every like a lot he did like uh whether it was ca- like carries he, he had some amazing carries like bouncing people off at will and whatnot but he also had these just deft touches um like he put this beautiful crossfield kick uh for team of Nuku, who who almost scored a try um he just he went he went in touch he, i think he had three people knocking him at the touch and his foot just touched it was very unlucky but um but yeah, Almuaj was just incredible, um, and I forgot he actually got selected in the the All Blacks uh, A or the All Blacks fifteen last year um, as a result of how well he's playing. But yeah, he he seems to be the only one able to create something um, for Moana. So I don't know, he just needs some support. But boy, did they miss um, uh, our boy Tavatavanawai. Um, it was you know it was good to see Tamafai and Ganuku back. This is his first game, but. Um, God, they need Jimmy on the other wing because he's he's the guy who can create something out of nothing. Um, so they needed him. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought um, Lodu Anisi came off really early in this one. And I thought Miracle was, again, stand out with every touch. He's just such a phenomenal athlete. And he just seems to be one of those players that can create something out of nothing. And then mm-hmm. I also think that Danny Tawala was really missed. They just didn't they didn't seem to have that same organisation in their back line. So really, really taxing to them or costing to them to, to actually rest their players, which I don't think we've really expected out of them. I thought they were just going to try and keep playing their best team. You know, I don't, they, but instead you know obviously maybe it is the pressure of uh world cup coming up and Samoa and Tonga being a little bit more picky and, and Fiji a little bit more picky about how many games their players play but um it, it costs them in this one for sure yeah particularly since both I mean, when we talked about the start of the year both Moana and the Drua had said that uh last year was getting uh all the as many players as possible runs on the board and this year they were going to go more with a pick and stick t- formula you know they were going to put their best teams on the park so interesting to see how that evolves but not not as we thought so I guess but um but yeah, let's push on. Uh, next game, uh, an, an upset: the uh, the Rebels forty defeating the Reds thirty four. Uh, that one was at home in Amy Park, but um, yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch this one either yet. But I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I mean, for me, the the headline from this game, from what I've heard, was uh, the old Tongan Scarface, Violini uh, Ekuasi, the, uh, the the young um, or the young and massive big back rower from who previously from the Blues. Had an absolute barnstorming first um, start for the game. Uh, did you enjoy this one, Harry? Yeah, I did. I thought this was easily the, the game of the round. I thought the Rebels and the Reds were both just going at each other, training blow for blow, and there were just so many big swings in momentum in this match. It was a real joy to watch and definitely probably the game of the round that I would suggest people, if they want to catch up on a game, this is the one to do it. You mentioned uh, Violoni uh, Ekawasi. He was, I, th- I thought, really, really good, kind of announced himself onto the stage for the competition this this week. Uh, and, and I think that that number eight jersey is going to be hard to take off him now that Richard Hardwick is going to be out for an extended period with his big calf injury. So, you know, he, he made it look very, very easy scoring his try. And he's just such a big athletic runner. He reminds me a little bit of Hoskins to Tutu. So, I mean, hopefully the Rebels will keep him for more than the one season that he's contracted to. And uh, hopefully he actually does grow into Hoskins because the Wallabies wouldn't mind a player like that at all, would they? Um, the other one, I mean, I feel like we've talked about him every single week. It's just Gordon was just exceptional. Again, he's clearly put himself forward as the front runner of the young tens at the moment. I think his long kicking is exceptional. His contact, he he fronts up and put big hits on. Watching him, he 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 uh, decided just to run it straight off one of the long kicks that didn't quite find touch as well. Like the guy loves contact. Plus, he has the silky skills, the balls to put the short crossfield kick in when they're in their own twenty-two, and then the uh, the tactical kicking game as well. He's exceptional. He's playing so so well. I I think it's 
too late for him. You know, everyone's saying on their Twitterverse at the moment, you got to pick Gordon. He's the Wallabies 10. He's the only option. I really genuinely don't think that that's a chance of happening. I think he should definitely be in the squad to actually get around the team. But I just can't see Eddie Jones, who's now so aware of the need for experience and cohesion of bringing in a new 10 in a World Cup cycle where he has a few games to get a hold of what's going on. I just, I just don't see that happening. But, yeah, man, I, I just an absolute play for the future and can't stop praising how well he's been playing. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with you. I don't think I can... I mean, I'd, I always like to go back to the majestic um, golden mane, uh, the mullet that he has again. But um, no, I agree. I can't see Eddie putting him in. Um, Eddie Eddie likes to take his time with 10s. Eddie's happy to try his hand with, uh, you know, young fullbacks and wingers and whatever. But with 10s, kind of like you look at Marcus Smith with England, he kind of kept him out in the wings uh, for a long time. And I think he, he will look to Gordon for a play for the future. But um yeah, he is. He's bloody exciting, and uh, you know I love a ten that likes to get physical. Um, so it's uh, you know it's just nice having the confidence that he can just run the ball. You know what I mean? When in doubt, just just have a crack and see how you go. But but no, there was a lot of players stepped up in this game. We saw a bit more of Monte Yuani. Um, he just got a lot more involved. So he kind of had a slow start to the season. I think I guess by his standards or what we were kind of expecting um, him to just get his hands on the ball all the time. Um, I know that one of, you know, your and my concerns about Monte Ioane was uh, typically in the Rebels back line, uh, the wingers have a tough time getting the ball. Uh, it just doesn't seem to make it out to them. Like, you know, we look at Corabedi Cor- who doesn't score many tries for, for the Rebels and whatnot, but um, yeah, he seemed to certainly get involved in this game. Uh, I think he ran for 150 metres and, and whatnot. So exciting to see him um, getting into this one. Uh was there anything else from the Reds uh, that is worth a mention in, the, in this game for you? Yeah, I think Murphy's just finding his way in to actually play off Gordon. I think that's probably the biggest thing for him. He he was popping up a lot more in tight. Um, the last one for me was just the controversial tries. There was a Rebels try, which I think was actually the correct call. Um, I think it was Brad Wilkin uh, stripped a ball in a tackle and it kind of went forwards and ended up in a really good uh, Rebels try, but they called it back for the rip, which went forwards. And that's that's the laws of the game. You know, unfortunate, but that's that's how it is. And I could see that there was a lot of uh, a lot of Rebels fans blowing up about that. But then about a minute or two from full-time, Tate McDermott darts down the short side from a couple of metres out, scores a try in the corner that would have had James O'Connor kick to win. Um, which would have been just an epic finish to the game and ended up getting called back because I can't remember which Reds player. It might have been Ryan Smith, but it could have been someone else. Ends up holding the uh, the Rebels player who was meant to be defending the blind side. But as Tate had picked up, the, the defender ran to the open and then when he realised, he got held back, which was, in my opinion, was pulling him towards the, the blind side where he should have been standing <laughs> and then kind of put his arms like, oh, I couldn't get to Tate because the bloke was holding me illegally at the right. And it was just so, it was so inconsequential. It just, it should never have been picked. It was, it was very, very unlucky. The Reds should have stolen that game, to be honest. I had the opportunity to kick, kick the win to steal that game. And uh, it was, it was a shame that it wasn't given. It was just one of those ones where you're not seeing as many of these pedantic rulings by the TMOs, but this was a bad one. Yeah, you don't love to. You don't like games decided by a bit of acting. You know what I mean. You like it to be decided by the play on the field. So, yeah. Oh, well. Last game um, of the week was the Blues versus the Western Force. The Blues again resting a few players. They got up thirty to seventeen. 
Um, the, this reminded me of the Blues team, to be honest, that um, t- dusted up the Waratahs at the end of last season. They really didn't have their best side out there, but um, they were able to just do enough to be the dominant force. But yeah, at least the, the Western force were able to, to kind of stay in the game and make a good match of it. So it was quite enjoyable to watch. A little bit disjointed from the Blues, I thought. Radamata Vukinikins, uh, he scored off a, a, a big, big cross kick from Stephen Perra franchise. But the most impressive thing was not only how high he got, but also he kind of caught the ball with one arm and yeah. kind of like away from his body and then spun and put it down. It was bloody impressive. It was very, very, very good. And, and he jumped to quite a height as well. Like he had quite a fall down to land on the ground. It was. Uh, yeah. They, they like, interviewed him post-game. He's like, oh, I'm not the fastest. I'm not the fittest. So it's good that I've at least got some jumps, you know, got some hops. <laughs> so that's right. obviously his, uh, his point to point of difference. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um... So no, I mean, do you think the, did the force look like look a chance in this game at all? I mean, I know it's a it's a closer scoreline, but <laughs> not not really, to be honest with you. They they made a match of it, but I don't think they ever looked like they were going to win the match convincingly. I thought the Blues always looked in control, but that like I said, it, it it was a tighter match and it was enjoyable to watch and it did keep you interested. I thought Chase Teatea looked really good. He comes into first or second receiver a lot and creates a lot for the force. But I would love to see him in the wider channels because he's not really getting to use his running game. He put in this neat little kick on the line where he kind of drew the defender at the last minute, just kind of towed it through for uh, Michael Wells, who scored a try. It just looks so easy. Nelson and I were texting each other during the game, just kind of like, that try is on every single time you're doing line attack because the defender is trying to tackle you. So all you have to do is last second, just pop it through between the two defenders, and there's never going to be a fullback covering. Like, it's impossible to stop. I don't know why it doesn't happen more often. And uh, the only other one that I wanted to mention was Tony Pulu. He was exceptional. Had a blinder, particularly in the first kind of 20 or 30 minutes. He was on fire. And maybe this is probably the best game he's played for the force. He's been there for a while now, so that's a, that's a decent call. But my favourite thing was every single kickoff, short kickoff, he would fly past the ball because the Blues would set it into their, like, a mall. And then every single time he would just pop up on the blue side of the mall because it hadn't actually been created yet. And the first time he just ripped the ball straight off the player and then went on a run. And the second time they kind of clued up to it and they started blowing up at the ref. He was offside. And they're like, man, he's allowed to walk around there. Like there was no, there was no mall. Like it was just such a great little tactic. And he did it very, very well. It was good, good to watch. That's having done your homework right there. But no, I mean, look, the force, the force wingers have been great. Pulu and um, Kibirigi. Um, Harry's been blowing up all year that uh, Manasa Martelli hasn't been getting a run. But um, no, they, I think they've both been really, really good. Um, they have been. Yeah, absolutely. And my only other point on this was, I think the man of the match was Anton Segner. Um, the Blues just have a whole host of uh, capable back rowers. He had a good shift. I think my, Cameron Suofoa had a really good shift as well, with some good carries. He had a few good um, steals as well. And, and we haven't even seen, like, Tane Plumtree has come off the bench once or twice this week. But if you remember from last year, he had a few ripper games as well. So they're just stacked with talent. Um, you know, Akira might be coming back soon. So they've just got so much depth, I think, is is why the Blues are going to go really far into the season. But, um, yeah, another win for the Blues on the board, uh, able to rest some players. So well done to them. Well, fantasy, should we get on? Yeah, fantasy. fantasy points, eh? Fantasy man of the week was none other than, I hope this is still correct. It might have changed. So Lisi Rayasi had 112 points, uh, 124 run metres, 10 tackle busts, three line breaks, two offloads, a try assist, and two tries. Just absolutely untouchable all game. Yeah, he's once he gets moving, just you just uh, all you can do is pray, really. But um, he trips himself over. So, um, but although second to that was Artie, 101 points. I mean, he made some mean carries himself. He was he was a man possessed um, as he usually is, but. Um, Big game from him. Um, 
Calavetti, Revovo, uh, 91 points. Monte Ioani with 80. Cody Taylor, 80. And Mark Talay with 80 with the other notables from the week. So some big scores this week. I was having a look just running down the the numbers and there was loads of players well up above in the 40s, 50s, 60s. So None of my players were in those numbers. I can tell you that much. I I felt the same about my team. I was like, where where, where are my big scores? I only had one or two, you know, but anyway. Um, The super sub for this week, we had Isaac Henry came off the bench with Hunter Paisami um, going down injured, 49 points. He looked impressive um, and will probably be, well, be looking to start next week. Uh, Spoilers on the preview there. Um, and the Captain Mud Award for the week um, was Elia Kanakaivata came off the bench for the Drua and minus four points. So um, I'm not sure how many minutes he came, but um, he bottomed, bottomed the round. So there you go. Unfortunately, the, the Captain Mud Award. Um, I've actually he was good liked, last week too, so they got to start. I was going to say, I've actually quite liked him in uh, previous yeah. ones, so it's a bit rough, but, but there you go. Um, all right, well, with that, let's push on to the main course uh, in which we will preview round six. So kicking us off on Friday, the first game. Do we have one game on Friday or two? I think we've got two. Um, kicking us off, we've got Moana Pacifica and the Highlanders, uh, again at home in Mount Smart Stadium in Auckland for Moana. Uh, new injuries to report. And this one, Lotu Inisi, um, he came off after the the first minute, uh, well, really the first play of the game. He had a knee injury. He didn't, didn't get up um, in the game last week. But um, he did actually return about, I don't know, 20 minutes later and then played yeah. the last 20 of the first half, but then didn't come back on the second half. So um, he, he came on with a lot of taping. So he must have kind of re, like, re-upped like a niggle or something to do with it. Was it taping on the inside of his knee? I can't remember where it was. Uh, yes. Yeah, it, 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 MCL injuries are one of those ones people can tape and play even with a pretty decent MCL injury. So he, he might be gone for six or eight weeks on the back of that, you know, and they just tried to throw him back out there if they if they could, but obviously yeah. didn't work out. Um not sure how they managed that to bring him back out. He must have had a concussion or something at the same time. That's, that's what I thought at the time. I thought, I thought, how, how has he gone off and come back? Because- 15 minutes now, 15 minutes for a concussion to do the HIA. So it's possible that they they did that and then he was able to come back. But the Highlander side of thing, you had uh, Borgato, the uh, informed Argentinian winger, apparently not at training. Um, don't know what's going on there. Josh Dixon, Josh Temu, Hugh Rentham, we mentioned, all pulled late. And Perry Perry Parkinson also limped off at half time, came back in the second half for 13 minutes, but then couldn't last any longer. So obviously has done something to his ankle, I believe it was. And we also mentioned already Jake T. Huey uh, came off with an ankle injury as well. So um, it's going to be testing their depth there. On the, the positive side returning, uh, Moana, we haven't heard anything still about Sakopi Kepu, but uh, no one else that we're aware of coming back. And then Highlanders, we're looking at Shannon Frizzell back this week or next um, Fabian Holland potentially back this week. I think it was pretty likely as well. And both uh, Andrew McAleo and Reese Marshall both due back from their concussion. We haven't got clarity if they're actually passing their testing at this stage, but you know the, the normal stand down at twelve days says that they should both be available. Yep, for sure. Um, and yeah, so this one, look, uh, Moana coming off that type of loss last week, zero to fifty nine uh, against the Canes. Uh, and certainly noting that the Highlanders just put on 56 points last week um, against the Drua, they are not going to want a repeat of that. So um, I think there's very some very clear things they need to firm up, um, which for mine is the scrum. That's the first and foremost thing they have to clear up. So I, I, I expect them to roll out their best pack. Um, and I don't know how to shore that up, but they just got absolutely destroyed by the Hurricanes last week. Um they were getting penalised at almost every scrum. I think they managed to get one penalty back, but 
they were either getting penalized or losing the ball at almost every scrum. So you just, you cannot, if, if you can't uh, create a platform, you, can, you can't win a game. Um, I mean, credit credit to their, their lineouts actually pretty good in terms of the set piece. They've got one of the best lineouts actually. Um, and they seem to score all of their tries off lineouts. I think it was something like, I think it was 12 or 13 out of the 16 tries they'd scored um, had been off lineouts. So that's good. But yeah, first and foremost, shore up the scrum. And then secondly, just bring Jimmy back. Tava Tavanawa, get him on there. I would have um, the, the best that they did last year. They had Tava Tavanawa on the left wing and Tima Fyanganuku on the right wing. So I think they need to do both of those. Uh, and and probably, you're right, bring back Tani, Danny Tawala into the 12. They just need that kind of extra playmaking. Um, but They just need to keep picking the same side, man. They're, they're just mm. so much less cohesive than all the other sides in the comp. And they they made some changes, and all of a sudden they didn't know each other and how, how they defended, and there were holes everywhere. Like, I, I don't mind Henry Taifu, uh, Anisi, Finney Anisi, all those kind of guys that have been filling in the back line, but... Like you said, like they know what their best team is. They need to keep picking it. It's Arianari, Christian Lelafano, Tawala, and Al Moore in the centers. I, I agree with you. Tavatavanawai and um, what's his name? Fane Granuka on the wings. And uh, Havili looks good at fullback. I think he's actually complements the side really well. Good kicking game and organizes the team as a second playmaker. So I just think they have to keep rolling that out. And I, I think that's what they'll go back to. It just, it just kind of has to be. They need to, they need to get some consistency. Their pack as well. I just think around their loose forwards, that actually their entire fallback. There's just too much dropping and changing. They really need to settle on the side. Um, they haven't had that many injuries, so I, I don't know why they're doing so much changing. Yeah, for sure. And then look, apart from that, the only other thing really is um, is the defense. So, but I think that comes down to, like you said, just the cohesion. It's it's being in the right place at the right time. Not not putting yourself in a position to have to make difficult tackles and make difficult choices. Right, just to to tr- trust in uh, your, your defensive line um, and then go back to, they had quite a few games last season where to be honest, they just started absolutely, you know, smashing the other team <laughs> just, um, and, and that really went a long way. Um, so, whereas we haven't seen much of that so far, I haven't seen all the big hits. Um, so I want to see some of that this week. I want to see them absolutely get stuck into the Highlanders um, and that's what they've got to do to be successful in this game. Um, but yeah, what about the Highlanders? Let's look at them. I mean, they, they're obviously looking to build uh, from last week. Yeah, I think the big thing for them is that they all of a sudden just going to be growing in confidence a long, long way. I think De Groot and Ainsley in the front row have been playing very, very well. I think their scrum has been excellent. So you add back in their, their two top choice hookers, and I think that's going to make a big difference to attacking one of Moana's big weaknesses. And then in, in, on top of that, you have both Michele Tuuv and Frizzell back training in the training paddock last week or this week. So I think they're around about this week or next. So hopefully those guys are both back, and that's going to shore up the, the back row for them as well. Perry Perry Parkinson, um, he would be a big loss, to be honest. So you, you might see uh, Beckuus back or something like that, you know, get the old state elder statesman back in to try and shore up the second row um, to try and pinch a few of the Moana lineouts. But they're just going to be uh, they're just going to be physical and confident. And I think um, just whichever team they can put out there, steered around by Aaron Smith and Mitch Hunt, I think they're going to look pretty strong. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, yeah, they showed last week that, um, you know, they put out a whole bunch of new players, but with Aaron Smith and Mitch Hunt really firing and after getting a good platform, like from up front, that they were really using all of their opportunities. So, um, yeah, I think they just looked to build on on last week. I wouldn't expect them to change. I mean, you know, I'd expect them to put back in their first choice players um, if they're available and not injured, you know, particularly all those players who were pulled last last week um, before the game. But uh 
Otherwise, I wouldn't expect them to change, you know, very much um, and just pretty much replicate last week. But I don't think they'll come up with any new fancy plans or anything. So um, I think the big thing for them is just going to be what they do at centre. You know, like, we, we need some clarity around the guys that were pulled. But I think Scott, Scott um, sorry, not Scott Gary, Gilbert looked really, really good at inside centre. And I think they should give him the opportunity to play there again. He absolutely is their miss at fix it. But he's the difference between him and Reese Hodge is no matter where you put him, he looks really, really good. Mm. So uh, he's been very impressive. Ouch. Hurtful yeah. to Reese Hodge there, but yeah, no, but I back. Uh, fair enough. Reese Hodge is your perfect twenty-three man. He's the best at twenty-three, but he's just not the best anywhere else. Mm. Um, it's Gilbert Gilbert's in sensational form, um, and, and you know they're just going to have to try and put piece together what they can for a backline. Connor Garden Bashup, I think he's a good man to fill in as well. He's he's in good form, and when he was confident, and I think he's just probably down on a bit of confidence with him falling down the pecking order at the moment. So mm-hmm. I think it'll do him the world of good just to start him with some of those other injuries, particularly maybe at a cover Bagato's injury. Yep, for sure. All right, how are you tipping this one, Harry? Well, I like starting with the line. So the, the line for this one is uh, 15 points favouring Moana. I think it's going to be... I think they'll probably be around their average points leaked, around that 40, 45 points, and I think they've, they've always got some points in them. So I think they'll beat the line. I think it'll be probably 18 to 20 points. I might go – I'll go 18 points. Well, they do always have some points in them, except that they didn't score any last week uh, against the Hurricanes. But, <laughs> always um... except that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Mate. Except that one time. Except that one let you get away with that one. But, um, yeah. <laughs> uh... No, I, I, I think the Highlanders, if they could do, I haven't, like I said, I haven't watched the Drua game yet, but if they could do that last week to the Drua, I, I expect them to be able to do that again to the to Moana. So I don't, I don't see anything majorly changing. So I, I'm going to say um, the Highlanders by, I don't know, I'm going to go 30 points. <laughs> like, yeah. Jeez, you're making me want to change my tip now. Yeah, sorry, mate. But uh, look, before that, you can do that. Let's move on. Um, so the second game of the round, we've got the Reds and the Crusaders on Friday night as well. Um, the Reds at home in Suncorp. Uh, yeah, new injuries to report on this one. So Hunter Paisami with a, a knee injury and concussion. How serious is that knee injury, uh, Harry? They're, they're setting him for scan, so it must be relatively serious. He, he came off from a concussion from a clear head high tackle, which was never looked at, which I'm, as, a, as a Hunter Paisami fantasy owner, I was pulling my hair out like, what the F is going on? The bloke just got his head taken out, concussed, and they don't look at the tackle. But, yeah, apparently they said post-game that he had an injury from before that that they need to send for scan. So the fact that he was running around pre, uh, relatively freely, hopefully that means it's not too bad. But obviously he's not going to be back this week. Um, and who knows, it might cost him a couple of weeks depending on what the scan results are there. And you also had Ethan Blackout come off with a calf injury. I think he's expected. They, they haven't quantified exactly how bad it is, but it's meant to be a couple of weeks. So you'd have to think he just twinged it and it's only a twinged it, twinged it. It's only a grade one injury probably by the sounds of that. And then uh, pre-game, they lost both Zach Gallagher, who I was expecting to play every minute at lock for the Crusaders until Sam uh, Whitelock was back. They're really, really running out of cattle there. And then Kershaw Sykes-Martin who I know what you're thinking, who is Kershaw Sykes-Martin? He was their reserve prop that uh, came off pre-game. They pulled him with a neck injury as well. So, again, just a couple of positions there for the Crusaders where they're starting to have to dig really, really deep. That's it. They always seem to find someone, though. Um, But, yeah, uh, um, yeah, it can be interesting. So, 
Uh, returning in this one, the only one we have down in the returning column, unless Harry um, frantically figures out someone while I'm talking, um, is Tom Lineup just back from, was it? I think it was a week off from concussion. Um, it was a concussion, but they, for some reason the article said that he was definitely going to be gone for two weeks, which makes no sense. So, yeah, I would think, although, you know, the stand-down period in club rugby, if you're under 20, I think it is, or 19, is no, 19 he's... days. So how old is Tom Liner? He might he's actually 19. go close. He's 19. I don't think he's turned 20 yet. So. It's 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 very possible that he's got a 19-day stand-down period. I don't know. I don't know. I'd actually have to double-check if he where he fits into that. So maybe he won't be back. That would that would uh that would explain it. Interesting. Yep. Um all right. And so in this one, um huh, up the Reds. Um I don't think we can really see the Reds winning this game, but um no, come on, spoilers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay, I jumped to the tips there to begin with. But uh, no, okay, the Reds, um, I mean, look, the Reds are starting to run the risk of sliding out of the top eight because um, they've they've got a, a tough couple of weeks ahead of them. They've got the Crusaders and the Brumbies. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they just obviously had a surprise loss to the Rebels. Uh, so, look, whilst there's plenty of positives to talk about, um, I don't know. I, I, again, I can't see them winning this game. But, no, let's talk about the positives. Um, Josh Flute, you wanted to talk about him, Harry. Well, yeah, he's, uh, you know, Reg Roberts on on Twitter pointed out that he's the first Reds player to score three braces of tries. That's two tries in a match in a single season since Latham in 2002. And we're only five rounds into the competition. But the bloke has this knack. I I picked him as first try scorer in this one again. He just has this knack of scoring. He scored this one coming around the blind side of a ruck and getting an inside ball off James O'Connor, like, what right does an outside centre have to be there? He seems to attack like a winger, even when he's playing it outside. And he's he just hasn't put a foot wrong all year. I think he's been absolutely exceptional. And it wouldn't surprise me if he scores a few more braces or tries this season as well and just sets some sort of outrageous record. He's in some form. Some would say it's definitely not a fluke then. Um, but uh, no, <laughs> he's looked amazing. Um, and what, what, what amazes me is that he's still, um, I said this about just looking at some of the players when I was down at Super Round, He's still got his his uh, his grown man. It's got to grow into his uh, his body. He's he's uh, he's still in his kid body. He's still in his his kid body exactly. Um, but uh, so now he's playing some amazing footy. And to hold down that thirteen jersey, the Reds is is pretty massive. They've got plenty of options there. Um, you know, I was still kind of enjoying the idea of of Pattaya there at thirteen, but um, previously. But uh, I mean, at the moment for me, Pattaya's. I want to see him in the fifteen jersey. I know he just had another, a good game on the wing. But um, well, mate, that's the next question we have here. Who do you go, Jock or Geordie at fifteen? Well, I can answer this one very simply. It's if Vunavalu was absolutely lighting it up like the Ferrari <laughs> that I um, have kept saying that he is, um, and has just been proving me wrong each week. Uh, then it would be a no-brainer. You'd have Geordie uh, Pattaya at fifteen and Vunavalu uh, on your right wing. But he hasn't been Vunavalu. Um, <laughs> so, despite signing, was it another two-year contract? um with rugby australia he's he just hasn't delivered yet uh and so yeah i mean you 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 want to you want another wing like jordy Pattaya, stick him on the right wing and jock campbell's your really safe option at 15 i have the solution mate it's send vonavalu to the brumbies all of a sudden he'll get confident his snc work will be sharp he'll be doing high speed work all the time he'll never tear another hammy when's the last time that an outside back at the brumbies tore a hammy Ever? Are you just saying um, it's too hot in Queensland? The muscles are too warm, or something? He needs to. No, I, mate. He, the guy's confidence is shot. It's absolutely shattered. The it guy is. needs to go somewhere else, have a fresh start for a mental break more than anything else. But I, 
I'll, he, I'll tell you what. I just all I want to see is I want to see the bloke hit full speed. I haven't seen him hit full speed. It's not going to happen, mate. It's like about three years or two years. You know what I mean? Like it, I, the far, the closest I've seen is probably like sixty percent. You know, what I, mean? I feel like we're leaving forty percent out there on the on in, in the tank. But anyway, um, so yeah. Sorry to answer your question. I want I want Jordi Bataille at fullback because I think he he looked absolutely incredible the first few games that he started there. Um, I don't even mind if they want to put Jock Campbell on the wing then because uh, Bataille... yeah, that, that's what I would do as well. I think Jock was more quiet at fullback. And considering how good Pattaya's form is, I think you just got to start in there. Yeah. Jock Campbell will get some opportunities, but he's not the first choice fullback for them. Pattaya's playing too well. For sure. Um, and look, other points for the Reds. James O'Connor, um, I think he's he's shown some glimpses of uh, of just how good he can be and kind of that real attacking threat, taking the ball to the line and asking loads of questions. Just that, you know, we know he's now a very seasoned head and a really good game manager, but um, he's kind of shown some glimpses of what we want him to to live up to and how to play. Uh, and when he's like that, you know, he's he's he start he starts putting players through holes, and um, the Reds look suddenly look really dangerous. So uh, when you combine that with an attacking Tate Tate McDermott, it really makes the opposition have to start answering really difficult questions indeed. So that'll be good. And um, but yeah, with Paisami out this week, it'll be interesting kind of to see. Yeah, a little bit of a different style of play with Isaac Henry. Um, I mean, look, Henry's uh, himself has played ten before, uh, so he kind of offers maybe a little bit more of a second ball player than Paisami. Not not that Paisami doesn't have that skill set, but just um, I suppose Henry maybe a bit more so. So it'd be interesting to see what that change is like. But like we said, um, Henry came off the bench last week, was our super sub of the round, um, and had a really really good game. So uh, I expect him to go well again. Um, yeah, so do I. I don't think they lose a lot, to be honest. Yeah, and and they're up against a. Whilst they've been good, they're up against um, you know some pretty inexperienced Crusaders centers. Um, <laughs> not well. Okay, so I should just take that back. Against an inexperienced Crusaders inside center in Dallas McLeod. Uh, I mean, Brad, Brad Nenor is of course an All Black, but um, in the let's go. So, so on that note, let's go to the Leicester Fangaranuku Crusaders. Oh well, I mean, I, yeah, I move that's on an official we team name from now on, isn't it? It is. I thought we were just going to talk about um, Fanganuku, so I didn't want to move on to the Crusaders until uh, we just mentioned any other any other possible players. But I mean, no, you can't Leicester talk about the Crusaders, Crusaders without I mean, talking about Leicester Fanganuku. Tell me, have you ever seen someone score such a brilliant try off a off a lineout or a scrum or whatever it was? Um, and bounce off four players, run run a, a certain line uh, and, and a, angle back against the play. And then do the exact same thing again. Have you ever seen that happen? <laughs> no, no. It's like they were just like he's just like, all right, boys. Like you, you didn't stop me last time. Why would I change something that's working? Like good luck tackling me. And he's just like running through these. I I, I still remember coaching the under fourteens at school when I was in uni. And one of my most fun things was playing tackle ball rush with them and just running through these kids <laughs> because you know I'm an egomaniac and made me feel good, but. <laughs> That's how I feel like Lester Fanger and Nuku was in this game. Jim uh, running at them laughing as they just swatted the Brumbies away. It was uh, it was uh, absolutely ridiculous. It was mental because it was the first one try was at least four tackle bus uh, yep. to the line. And the, the next one was probably a good three again. It was just, it was crazy. So he's in some rich vein of form right now, Lester Fanger and Nuku. And um, yeah, good luck stopping him, I think, um, to the Reds. But um, no, look, there are other players in the Crusaders that we can talk about, but it is, I agree, it should be referred to as the Leicester-Fying Anuku Crusaders from now on. Um, I just think that the uh, the Crusaders have done so well in the last two weeks with their makeshift back one. Like so many injuries. 
I think, you know, you mentioned McLeod at 12. I thought he had a quiet game this week, but he's looked exceptional just taking the line on, throwing his offloads. He really is good at getting his hand through contact. I think Braden Ennell has just been solid. I think he's he's never quite looked the athlete that he did it before his, uh, his serious knee injury a couple of years ago. Yeah, has he just lost pace? Is that what Massively. I think I, I honestly think he really has lost a lot of pace. It's the same with Jack Goodhue. So I, I do wonder in their strength and conditioning. Like, don't get me wrong, I know those injuries can be hard to come back from, but mm. both of those guys have lost so much pace coming back from those injuries. So I wonder if they're just short of some power work or something like that with their S&C, which, to be honest, it's the Crusaders, so it's probably not the case, but um, it does make you wonder, to be honest. Um, and now, you know, no Sebu Reese. You got Patafilo, I thought has been solid enough. I thought he's looked really solid on the end of a Crusaders, uh, Crusaders back line. And I mean, there's only one thing missing, and that's Melanie and I, let's be honest. <laughs> Settle down. Um, agreed. Like, surely, how has there been this many injuries and we haven't seen Nanai run out? Do you know what I mean? Because He's, he's your first. It doesn't matter which fantasy manager. I don't care where you are on the table. He's your first pick. If he's available and starting, oh, yeah. you're picking him. Um, lucky for Harry, he's on the bottom of the table. So Harry will I'll get have him. Yeah, I'll take him again. And he'll do <laughs> nothing for me again. <laughs> but um, no, it is mental. But uh, look, I think, um, yeah, it, it is. It is certainly a bit of a makeshift. It feels like a makeshift backline for the Crusaders. Uh, and, and yeah, they have been yeah performing well. Like they've all just been nailing their their core roles like McLeod. I think McLeod's a great example of just been running the ball up, making at least a little bit of game line um, and just not doing anything too fancy. Um, I think last week was was really testing. Like they beat the the Brumbies, but um, it was just error prone. I, I don't know if it was just really wet or something, but loads of drop ball kind of across the park. Even from Richie Moe was dropping it quite a lot. Um, it, it, I feel like it's probably the most error-prone we've seen the Crusaders in years. I, I think some of that has to be going to the Brumbies, though. I know they had a bit of a makeshift team, but the, the way they attacked the breakdown has just damaged every single team they've played so much. And even with, a, you know, I guess, a bit of a B team out there, that's going to be the, the core of how the Brumbies play. So I think it's very hard to to execute nearly as well when you're getting slower ball, when the Brumbies are getting up on your heart as well. I think that has to have something to do with it. For sure. Um, and speaking of look makeshift stuff, I mean, look, in terms of the forward pack, obviously they've lost Sammy Whitelock, who'd, who'd been absolutely crushing it when he'd been playing. But uh, Scott Barrett certainly stepped up last week and had a really big week. Um, I'm not sure if he's had his All Blacks rest week yet. Which would be no, they're, they're saying that he's um, he's their only fit lock in their entire squad. So they're actually they're meant to rest him this week, but they're actually going to look for an exemption. So apparently they can be given for them to play more than five weeks in a row. So I think they're going to try and play him again and then look to give him a rest later on in the season because they, they just have no one else. <laughs> yeah, pretty much right. Um uh, and then, yeah, otherwise with um, uh, with Blackadder to the sideline as well, Cullen Grace is still a few weeks off. <laughs> so they've got the likes of um, Sione Havili and Christian Leo Willey kind of filling in. But it, it hasn't been, certainly hasn't been delivering Rocky. the same punch oh. and power as as a Blackadder-Cullen Grace combo. Yeah, I, I don't know if you heard me there, man. I said draft pick, so you can't have Leo Willey back. Um <laughs> Yeah, look, I think Sione Avili has been has been the better of the two players since starting. I think, you know, my criticism for Leo Willey was that he just didn't look like he knew the team. He hadn't played with them for long enough. I think his work rate was exceptional. He had some big, hard carries, but he just didn't know how to gel with the team. And I suspect that there's a decent chance Avili will play eight, at least off the scrum, just to play that link role between the, the forwards and the backs because, you know, it, it is such an important role that Leo Willey maybe needs a little bit more time to grow into. But... Yeah, I do think surely he's the bloke that has to uh, to slide in and start, particularly when you've got some of their six options having to uh, to jump into the second row as well. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I I completely agree with that assessment. I think Siona Havili knows how to, to to play as that link man, whereas Christian Leo Willy, what he offers is just those bigger carries that um and and work rate in Dmat. He's he's been making a lot of tackles. Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway, uh, what's your what's your tip for this one? I can tell you the lines only twelve and a half points to the Crusaders. Tip for this one, look, I think the Crusaders will win, and I think the Crusaders will win by. You put you put the number twelve in my head. So I'm going to go with twelve. Oh, beat the line up the Reds. Uh, I do not think they'll beat the line. I'm going to go Crusaders by 16, and I reckon I might be underplaying that. I reckon they might get a few more, but 16. I'll uh, I'll be the the Wallabies fan, the Aussie fan here. That's true. Actually, I should have at least said 14 because they're going to win by at least the two tries. That <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. All right, to the Saturday games, we've got the Andrua versus the Melbourne Rebels, the informed Rebels. No new injuries for the two sides, which is an absolute blessing to any team at the moment. But we do expect to see the Sledgehammer, your favourite player of the year, Eric Sal, back from concussion. That Again, we get no media from them, but Timeline says he should hopefully be back. Timeline, but also the fact that this is a home game in Fiji and he is the cult hero uh, Fijian rugby player. No, what are you talking about, mate? Mate, he is the cult hero. He's a gold. So you're going to go look. You failed your concussion, but you're the cult hero, so you're back anyway. Now, look, yeah. his name is the Sledgehammer. No bloke with the name the Sledgehammer can miss more than one week with. I don't, concussion. I don't think you can be concussed if your name's the Sledgehammer. I, I, I agree. I think it was a play they were wrestling him for this week. <laughs> Exactly. On the rebel side of things, you have Josh Cannon should be back from his concussion. He's been exceptional so far this season. That's a big in. And Andrew Kellaway is expected back from his foot fracture as well, which will add a lot of starch and depth in the back line. It's just going to be the question that I'm sure we'll get to of where in the back line he plays. But we'll come to that. So the drill first. What yes. do you think? Uh, what do you think we have to see here? So, I mean, look, the Drua, again, we, we'll say it every time, if they're playing a home game in Fiji, they're rolling out, eight, it's not even, you know, the 16th man, it's 18. It's going to be 18 against 15 players. With the crowd involved and just how much the players step up, um, if, you, know, you know how you, the old adage, you ask players, you know, look, come on, give us 110%. Well, playing at home, the Drua, each, each and every player is given 120%. They're just finding an extra 20%. Uh, and that really goes a long way. So... They're going to come out absolutely firing and um, the Rebels are going to have to really front up to to stay in this game, I think. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think um, I think we'll see uh, Sao back on the wing. Um, I think after last week's performance, we're going to see Revavo and Vota holding down the centres. And then it's just on how they want to proceed, I think, with... Um, uh, do they want Ravitamunda back on the wing or the hat? I mean, he had a pretty good game at fullback. Um, so I, I can't really see them changing from Ravitamunda at fullback and Marcy on giving Marcy another crack on the wing. Um, so I think that will be the the way that they run out the team. But um, yeah, I mean, the only I, other one is is if Trossese and Trossese takes a spot at fullback again. But I agree. I think just Ravitamunda was so so solid. It's going to be hard for them to play anything else. That's it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I can really see, I, I don't think I'll really read too much into last week. I think last, like I haven't, as I said, I haven't watched the game, but I think last week they just um, fell out of the game pretty early and then were, were absolutely chasing it um, and just felt the scoreboard pressure and whatever. Whereas, so I, I wouldn't really think there's going to be any anything relating to last week's performance to this one, because it doesn't matter if they fall behind in scoreboard pressure when they're playing at home. Uh, we've talked about this before, I think, there was a game against the Chiefs last year where they scored three tries in the last, you know, 10 minutes to almost win um, that game. So they'll be playing the full 80 this week regardless. 
and they will be coming out absolutely firing. Um, up front, I can't really, you know, maybe they seem to rotate the props around the, uh, a lot. Ikenavieri, the captain, obviously, will be starting. Um, I think the same locks will run out in the back row. Can't really see them changing that either. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. They won't, I don't think there's really any changes in strategy. Like I said, I think it's just literally... I think they just had a quiet one last week because I was saving all the uh, the gas in the tank for this week, to be honest with you. So, Yeah, look, I uh, just... A uh, quick little correction for you, mate. The white shark is the Capitan again. So Canavere uh, just has that weight off his shoulders so he can play even better than he already has in his exceptional form. But, um, look, I, I think the big thing for them is we saw it last year. They got pasted by the Hurricanes. Then they turned up again and beat Moana, uh, Moana Pacifica. And then they got pasted by the Crusaders. And then they had that phenomenal comeback game against the Chiefs where they almost stole it. Uh, at the end of the match that you already uh, referred to. So I think they just have the ability, as a lot of Fijian sides do, to be honest, to to kind of switch off at times. And I, I've got no doubt I agree with you. That that motivation of being at home, mate, they're going to be an absolutely different beast this this week. And uh, it's going to be a tough, tough game for the Melbourne Rebels. One, I'm really excited to see how it plays out. I think the big thing for them is just who takes the 10 jersey. I think they tried Valentini a little bit last week, and obviously it didn't pay off for them. So... I suspect they'll just go back to Teddy Teller, but you know, if the bloke's not giving you the answers, how many times do you just go back and and try the same tactic to see if it can work for you? So that that's going to be the biggest question for them. If they can get a ten, helping to unleash their backs, which let's be honest, you don't have to do a lot to unleash their backs, just make some good decisions and work out when to kick the ball and kick well, then uh, then they're going to be exceptional. And on the Rebel side, I think it's just going to be basically, you know, can they keep building? I, I think they've talked about trying to um, do a, a lot of the things that the top four sides in the competition are doing. They're trying to go from strength to strength and actually be clinical, relentless, and and put those 80-minute performances out there, which I think they're starting to get close to. Um, if they can if they can stay switched on, then I think the Indra will find it a lot harder to score than they have against some of the, the softer Ds in the competition. And 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 the Indra as well might struggle a little bit more for ball considering the uh pilfering that they get from the uh, the Melbourne Rebels as well. They still so much ball. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I'm I'm what I'm looking forward to the most is gonna be the physicality. So I'd be amazed if they don't run EcoRC yeah. out again. They need that counter. I think this was something I forgot to say um, in the review, which was just, uh, you know, Richard Hardwick obviously had been playing so well, but I was still losing my mind every week at, at, at rolling out two sevens, at having Wilkin and, and Hard, Hardwick in the eight jersey. I just thought, you've got these big ball carriers, you've got Tamari Iwani and, um, and Ekuasi. I was like, you've got to play one of those guys because you need the go forward. Um, they showed how good that was last week with Ekuasi's big game. So I'm really looking forward to... The physical. I mean, if I was them, I'd be rolling out Tamati Iwani at six and Ekowasi at eight. You know what I mean? Just well, I don't. I don't know if Tamati Iwani's injured, but they they ran out Daniel Mayava as their only bench uh, loose forwards forward, and he made that. Uh, he was the one that almost scored that try off the Brad Wilkin rake, and he looked big and fast. And then Angelo Smith scored the reserve lock as well. So they got a whole lot of big bodies that they're bringing off the bench. Throw in uh, Kobus Ilof, uh, who's now moved to loose head for this year because of how many good quality tight heads they had, and Pone coming off the bench as well. They've just got this, like, South African freaking bomb squad coming. I know they're not South African, but that style bomb squad coming off the bench, just it's going to be a huge last 20 minutes, I think, as these guys just go head-to-head and there's going to be some huge hits. And and I hope we see more of what we did when the Fijian and Drua took on the Waratahs just that that raw physicality and uh, it's it's very very good to watch. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and look, I think um, out back, the question is, is where some of the excitement will be. Um, we talked about Montiuani, 151 metres last week, um, just finding a way to get involved all across the park. So um, he's he'll be coming up against, I don't know, either Marcy or Ravitamanda or someone. But, um, you know, it'll be exciting to see uh, how those matchups play out. And, and yeah, the question we talked about at the start of this game, um, how and where does Kellaway fit in? I can say very simply, can we just, um, can we, you know, screw right off the concept of trying to play him at 13, which they tried a couple of times. It's just, is he, is he on the wing or is he at fullback? Um, for me, I think you roll him out at fullback straight away. Um, I think Joe Pincus had a pretty good game last week, um, all things considered, but Kellaway is your out and out best fullback option in that team for mine. Um, and that's, you know, I think that's his best position is either the wing or, or fullback and that Rebels team, I think it's probably fullback. Um, what is that how you see it, Harry? Yeah, I, look, I, I think the biggest thing is it depends on the form of the centres and what they have in other positions. Uh, I, I might butcher his name, so I apologise, but uh, the, the young bloke, David Feluai, uh, who was the, the big unit at 12, I thought he was really, really impressive. And obviously we've all been raving about how good Stacey Ely's form is. So I think that those two deserve another chance to play again together. Yeah. Um, which means that, yeah, I, I agree. Pincus has been great every time he's played, but I think he's probably the bloke that slides back on, onto the bench. And, you know, the best thing about that for me is that means that we get to uh, to punt Euste out of the 23 because that bloke's probably the weak point, to be honest with you. And I say that despite him probably having his best couple of games in his last two matches. For I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, he, he is the one to go for sure. So, yeah. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Like, I think equ- equally... I hope he doesn't like, listen to the pod. He's a good bloke. <laughs> He's got a great haircut. Uh, well, actually, no, he shaved his head now, so but he doesn't have a great haircut. I'll take it back. Um, I was looking for positives. Sorry. Um, but no, Kellaway is, I think, will be equally effective on the wing or the whatever. Like, I mean, I would if, if you want someone else to play fullback, you can start him over Lockie Anderson on the wing. But I, I expect them to play him at fullback is where yeah, I, I agree. see him playing. So, all right, tips for this one. Um, I'm going to go the Drua. And I'm going to go the Drua by... Mm, I don't know how much respect I want to give the Rebels here. I'm going to go the Drua by... Oh, I'm going to go 12 again. I wanted That's to go more. huge, mate. That is huge. Is I reckon... That- look, I can see why you did that. Yeah. But I can't believe you went such a big margin. I'm going to tip the upset. I'm going to say the, the Melbourne Rebels will get it done by five. Oh, huge. So I like, I like that we're not in alignment here. This is good. Back in the boys, but you just want to see, you just think Carter Gordon's going to have an absolute barnstormer again. And I, I keep saying to uh, our, our, our friend NSYNC, who uh, has him in fantasy footy, you mate, stop backing him in for another big game. Like, it ain't going to happen. And every single week he does it again. So I think the, this week I'm saying, yeah, he's going to have a big game. I mean, you watch him just crash and burn. He's, he's, he's probably the player of Super Rugby Pacific so far. Too, he's been so good. He has yeah. been so good. All right. He's definitely player. Yeah. Um, on to probably the game of the round that I'm uh, most excited for, uh, the chefs taking on the blues, the, well, it's not the top of the table clash because I think I said the hurricanes are in on second now on the table, but realistically, I'd like to think this is the top of the table clash. This is probably the top two teams. Not um, the Crusaders who just beat the blues or the Brumbies who beat the blues? No, nah, mate. Top, these are the top, in my eyes, these are the top two teams <laughs> in the competition at full strength, the chiefs, the chefs and the blues. Um, and they've both, uh, look, they've both got a couple of injuries, but they've both been resting a couple of players. 
think we can see some big things here. So uh, new injuries to report. The only thing we've got, none, none, no new injuries from the Chiefs, but from the Blues, Bryce Heem uh, limped off. Uh, I'm not sure how early he went off, but... Um, in the, in the second half, and they said they, they didn't know what it was at the end of the game. The coach didn't, but um, that it wasn't too serious. But I, it wouldn't surprise us if he missed a game or two. Yep. Uh, and then ret- in t- the players returning uh, for the Chiefs, we're going to have Josh Uwani, who just came back from some uh, family bereavements and family uh, family stuff. Um, Tupo Va'i, possibly. I just put him down as a possibly from his low-grade he, MCL injury. I think he was expected. I think they said a couple of weeks he was going to miss. So I think you should see him back. Mm. Um, which will be a very big addition. Uh, and then for the Blues, uh, James Lay from a minor ankle injury and Akira Iwani uh, could be back this week or or next. Um, similar, <laughs> a l- relatively low-grade MCL injury. Maybe not as low-grade as uh, Tubovayi, but... Um... Yeah, I don't think he was that low-grade. He's He's been out for a while, but they did say this week or next, so he's obviously close. I don't think... That, it doesn't sound like they're that confident for this week, to be honest, but... You never know when you're a, a weapon like Akira, mate. He's important enough and good enough to feature in your background on on our chat. So he's obviously a bit of a weapon and he's he's obviously going to tough it out if he can. That's it. Of course, you can uh, get after our, our, the Draft Rugby show on uh, YouTube to see our fantastic backgrounds. Uh, Harry sporting the uh, 2025 to 2027 Waratahs Joseph Suwali uh background so um you know i mean i just wish he signed this year so he could start for the wallabies straight up in this world cup but um never mind um let's push on with this game so yeah no i think with akira it's um it's just if they decide this is a big enough game to bring him back for i mean i just raved earlier about how the blues have such depth in their back rowers you know segna plum tree all these guys uh big selves all playing good games but um if there was a game you wanted to bring him back for it could be this so yeah let's um i mean let's start with the chiefs i think so yeah, the team to beat, the only remaining undefeated team, top of the table. And, um, yeah, they, uh, you know, with Tupo Vai back, um, you know, close to close to full strength, I think, you know. But I'm expecting them to run out their absolute full strength forward pack with uh, both Brody, Tupo Vai, Sam Kane, Jacobson, Peter Gus. Um, obviously, in the, in, the, in, the, in the props, they, you know, they were down a couple of props, but, um, yeah. Sam like, Kane in their top choice team anymore? He is. He is. As much as you shit on the All Blacks captain, proceed to do that for years. He definitely is. And right, okay. And he's a fantastic rugby player. But let's not get into that argument again. Um. Uh. So yeah. And then look. I mean, for me, just some incredible backlines. This, this game will be won by which forward pack can set the best platform. But I'm just. I think what we're all looking forward to is the battle of these incredible backlines. I mean. If you just look at the matchups of the of the you know you can look at the centers, but the wingers you know to begin with, we have got Nanai Saturo and Narawa who've just been awesome coming up against Caleb Clark and Mark Talaya. I mean, what more can you really ask for there? Then you know Sean Stevenson had arguably been the player of the competition uh, in at fullback. We we expect him probably to go back to fullback. Maybe Damian McKenzie back into ten for the Chiefs this week. Um, and then Para Franchise uh, and Bowden Barrett coming back um, for the Blues. So I think Para Franchise might get a rest, to be honest. I think he's the only All Blacks player that hasn't had a rest for them. So I suspect, you know, I, I said in the pod last week that I thought they'll hold Para Franchise back to steer the team around and Bowden will get a rest, which is what they did. So I think you'll see that he gets a, a game off and he might keep Zahn Sullivan at fullback. So that's your first pick for the uh, the week this week as well, Craig. Fantastic. Thank you for, um, for getting that in for me early. Um, yeah, so... 
Uh, I guess like lots of exciting things. I mean, the only the other ones to talk about is the the centers pairing up there. We've got um, uh, the All Blacks RTS and Rico Yuani. Rico just uh, they, they had their rest last week. Um, coming up against uh, Poi Hippie and Nankavel, who've just been awesome for the Chiefs um, in there. So yeah, um, like I said, I don't know my, my take on this. I mean, the Blues. I think the Blues have the stronger pack. Um, they're still they're missing Patrick Tuipalotu, but just. Those that all black front row, those those props who absolutely crush it. Um, and then I mean, whether or not they have Akira back or not, Dalton Papa Lee was rested. So two two. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's a, about who can really front up and get some good go forward ball and set that platform to unleash these back lines. Um yeah, I don't know. Did, did you mean, did you mention the uh, inside centre battle? Like who if Plummer will take that jersey? Because I think Roger Duvasa checks out with a hand injury at the moment. Ah, I did not. So I forgot about that injury. So there you go. Um, yeah. So we see, you see Harry Plummer as the, the front runner? I mean, I, I would think so. I think he played. It was his first game back from his rib injury on the weekend. They made him captain, albeit of a young side, because they say he's a natural-born leader. And I, th- I thought he played really, really well. So, yeah, I suspect that he'll be in the 12 jersey. Corey Evans, I think it is the, the young centre is the other option, who's a fantastic young player as well, and I really wanted to see more of him. But I think he only got... 12 minutes or something, you know, so that they, you know, we see, see him as a development player. So I suspect that it'll be Plummer. Yeah. He's very much a Nankavel type mold of player. I see Corey Evans. Um, yep. What about Tanyelu Talea? He's, uh, he's sometimes running there at 12. He could be. Uh, um, I have no idea where he is. I, I really hope so, but I really don't think it'll happen. I think uh, Harry Plummer's definitely rated above him. Tanyelu Talea, I just assume he's always got an ACL injury because I feel like he's been injured for about three or four years straight now. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. They haven't said anything about him. They haven't said he's not available, but he doesn't seem to be that close for the selection mix at the moment. So I, I love watching him. I hope he gets a game. But I, I, I also think despite the fact they play him at 12, he's a better outside centre and wing than he is at 12 for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I, I think his best position is on the wing, to be honest. That's where he's play his best footy, but... Yeah. yeah, okay. So that's an interesting one. Um, so, yeah, Plummer, who, yeah, certainly has a lot of leadership experience. I think he's captained Auckland quite a few times and plays a pivotal role kind of there. So um, doesn't Tane bring... Plumtree to get a start as well at eight, you reckon? Tane Plumtree to get a start. Yeah, if Hoskins is, is is having a break. Well, I mean, does, does Hoskins have to have a break? Hasn't he had a rest already? Um, Ooh, that means that this one. Sorry, this is... Uh, no, no, he hasn't had a break yet. No. Oh, He's played every single week, so yeah, I think I think you'll have to see him have a rest, which means yeah, he, he's. Uh, I, I think surely Tane Plumtree is the obvious option. Okay, well, to me that that really throws a spell. I mean, like I said, they have a lot of depth, and these guys are great. But um, yeah, interesting. Like you know, you if you were the Blues, you wish you could roll be rolling out Akira, Dalton, and Hoskins, um, just because that to me that that's job done. That's the better better forward pack, and that gets you the supremacy you need. So interesting that. Um, these are these are the questions that will determine who wins this game, I think. But in terms of the well, that's why I brought it up in the preview pod. <laughs> Very good. Very good from you, Harry. Um no, I think for me, the way I see like the, the strategies of both of these teams, the blues will probably want to slow it down a bit more, a bit more set pace territory. Um and Harry Plummer could come in really useful for that, you know, a second second. I mean, if they have Bowden, Plummer, and Zahn Sullivan out there, they've got three fantastic kickers, uh, tactical kickers. Yeah. So that will really play into their hands. But the Chiefs, um, conversely, I think will they'll want to speed this bad boy up, get as much broken play as possible, and just hit the ground running, get uh, get the boy to, uh, get the ball to any of those back three, inject Sean Stevenson, and just um, go go go. So 
yeah, it'll be a contrast of the two styles. And um, I don't know. I don't know how I see this one going. What's uh, you got anything to add before um, you, we get to our tips? No, no, I think I think you've covered up most of the big points. I think it's just going to be, to be honest, how how well the Blues can cover their injuries, and I suspect it's probably not as well as the Chiefs can roll out their top team. So I'm going the Chefs by five at home. I'm tempted to make it a little bit bigger, but I feel like these big games in in New Zealand are always five points or less. So that's why I'm going five. Yeah, I agree. Look, for me, it would be. Um... I'd be close to black and the blues if uh, ba- black and the blues to backing the blues. Um, if uh, if I knew Akira Yuani was back, because the power of two Yuanis combined is you know exponential, as you know. Um, but, as as, uh, as we all know, yeah, as we all know, exactly. Um, but uh, I, I, I think I can't, can't go past the chefs, and um, I'm going to go by uh, by eight. So a bit bigger than you. Nice, but, um, very good. The next game uh, we have is uh, GIO Stadium, Danny Sunday Canada. game. I, I really wish I was going to this game, to be honest. Uh, it's going to be the Brumbies versus the Waratahs. And, you know, the uh, the most interesting thing for this is just going to be, in my eyes, how desperate the Waratahs are. But before we get to that, it's going to be the new injuries. There are none from the Brums. Nandolo, I, I think, was seen. You know, they said he was nursing a knee injury a couple of weeks ago. We saw him icing his knee after the game as well. So he's obviously still managing that injury. So I, I do suspect if there's a if there's enough fit bodies around, you'll probably see him get a rest week. Yeah. No, I thought. Sorry, I, I got ahead of myself with the Sunday game. We've got this 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 game still on Saturday, but I thought that was you guys treating him and ice uh, putting some ice on there on the on on, on the game last Friday, just in the chat, you know, in the change room. Uh, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't confirm or deny if that if that was if that was happening, mate. So uh, I think I'm just going to have to let that one go straight through the keeper. Uh, returning though for the Brumbies, you've got Slipper, Valentini, Samu, White, and Tom Wright all coming back from their Wallabies rest weeks. Mm-hmm. And on the Waratahs side of things, you've got a you know three returning potential injuries. So that means that you know there's only another 25 that they've got sitting out. That's uh, Gleeson hopefully back from his calf injury. Max Jorgensen's been managing this uh, shoulder injury and Mahi Vailano and the injury. Both of them were bracketed as, as coming back at the earliest this week. So obviously they're going to wait and see how they pull up. But uh, as I've already mentioned, I think Jorgo will probably sub in for Nandolo if he's gone all right. Yep, beautiful. Um, and, yeah, so this one, I mean... Of course, the Brumbies, they rested all of their Wallabies um, to let them go down against the Crusaders because they just wanted to make it 2-0 and zero against the Waratahs, their uh, interstate rivals in uh, 2023. So they take this this um, this rivalry and this fixture seriously. Um, and, yeah, I think I think we're in trouble, um, frankly, as a result of it. It's, it's at home in Canberra. But, um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, we've got some notes here that players still need to rest um, Neville and Lolaseo. I'm not sure about Lolaseo needing a rest. He's um, oh, he's he's played every game. So uh, I don't know. It, it really depends. You know, the what the All Blacks talked about the fact that there's no difference if the player plays one minute, it doesn't count as a rest week. Whereas the the All Blacks didn't have that that rule. And obviously, Lolaseo has played a fair few games off the bench, two or three already. I think this year. So mm-hmm. I, I'd suspect that they can say, "Oh, look, we've managed his minutes and let him keep playing through." But yeah, I think you're right. Neville's probably the other one. Um, it's just a question of who are they going to fill in there. Obviously, Frost will be at lock on one side, but then you know, with um, Darcy Swain carrying an injury as well, it's it's uh, there's not a lot of established options there for them. For sure, Frost hasn't Frost hasn't really had a rest either. He's played every game. It's just last week he came off the bench, but before that he'd been starting. Yeah, he's like he's like 14 years old. The guy can run forever. <laughs> this is true, and he's been amazing as well. So. Um, 
Yeah, I mean the, the the other replacement, Jack Wright, had been looking pretty good. He uh, looked all right. He he came on. Um, but yeah, they are missing all, all the other players that we're excited to see, like Tom Hooper and um, forget who else the other lock stocks that they have. Um, for this one, some pretty exciting matchups. Uh, Corey Tool and Mark Nwanganidawase um, is one that I'm looking forward to. Um, Corey Tool just every week just proves how dangerous he is. He needs. I mean, I know the old, my favorite adage, the, the old uh, Dave Rennie statement about Filippo Dalgunu can beat you in a phone booth, but um, what's smaller than a phone booth? I don't know. Uh, Corey Tool can beat you in your pantry. You know what I mean? Um, it's, uh, there you go. That's, that's Mate, your pantry is gigantic. Don't pretend it's <laughs> smaller than a phone booth. Come on. You live where? What suburb do you live in again? Mate, the, uh, the beaches. Um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we've got, got Jake Gordon and Nick White. That's a, um, that's a fantastic battle there. The seasoned heads, uh, and they'll have a good crack at each other. Uh, it's a bit devo actually. The new scrum scrum rules, so we can't see them really cause each other a bit of mayhem. But um, and then Gleason and Samu. You know, this is the battle battle for Wallabies number eight. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Gleason back because, for mine, he's the most exciting player in the Waratahs at the moment, and um, definitely you know the biggest Wallaby watch for me. Uh, I want to see him at the moment. He's fr- my front runner for Wallabies number eight. He just he's looked that good um in in everything he's been doing so yeah what about you harry thoughts on the brumbies oh look i think they're just so well drilled and and the, the big difference when they played the waratahs last time was the you know this is already their second meet of the the season is that they absolutely dominated the breakdown and they slowed the wallabies the waratahs ball down we saw what happened last week the tars when they're not getting quick ball they're not able to actually really take advantage and score points so they're, they're going to have to find a way to to counter that against the Brumbies, and I'm I'm just not sure how they do it. I th- I think that um, it's going to have to be a, a monumental game, a huge game from Michael Hooper, who to this point in the season I think has been pretty quiet. And then your other options are Swinton Harris and um, and Gleeson, who you mentioned. None of those guys are really established at attacking the breakdown. So I, I don't really know where they're going to go to try and get that kind of breakdown presence. It's just it's just not obvious to me who, who in the who in the four pack can actually counter that. Do you think they run out gamble? A gamble six, Hooper seven. I think like he's still injured, man. I don't I don't think they have the option to gamble either. No, okay. They can't take that gamble as you would say. Um, yeah, he, he dislocated his shoulder a couple of weeks ago or partially dislocated his shoulder. So I, I don't think he's going to be right. Right. Okay. No, well that rules rules that out. Um yeah, I agree. It's uh, they don't they don't really have the the cattle. It's going to take a big like the breakdown menaces. Um, it, it is going to take a big outing from Hooper. So I don't know. I guess they just have to offload central. Just don't go to ground, boys. That's the, that's all I can think of. Well, they they get good ad line. They got big carriers. So I was going to say I think they just need to dominate the contact zone before the ball gets to ground. If they're getting ad line, then it's easier to get quick ball. But mm. the the issue is going to be when the Tars make those kind of little semi breaks and the Brumbies are just sitting on the hip of the defender to attack the ball immediately. Yeah. I, I think we're probably going to see a fair few don't turnovers from the Brums this week, and the Tars are going to have to be very very efficient at scoring within a few phases get quick ball and then get over the line. Like, like you said, find the offloading and kind of strike. And that's not really been their forte. So it's pretty worrying, I think, to be honest with you. Um, also, you know, we mentioned about the Wallabies rest week. This is Hooper's sixth game in a row. I, I suspect that they're going to say that they, uh, with Gamble out for maybe another week or two, that they're going to have to just ask him to play through. But I, I don't think they have a lot of other options that can play at seven. 
Mm. Could they roll out Swinton, Gleason, and Harris? Wouldn't that be a team to watch? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, wow. It's it's a time like this, actually, you're really missing Carlo Tizano, having that third um, seven, that third fetcher. But he's he's obviously no longer with the Tars. But, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I would like to say I'd like to see a Swinton Harris scamble, uh, Swinton Harris um, Gleason combo. That'd be that'd be fun. But um, yeah, I agree. Um, I guess other points, last points with the Brumbies here on this one. Um, I mean, Tool's been great. The other wing has been junk, uh, and um, Tom Wright has been you know has been good, but hasn't looked hasn't looked entirely settled at fifteen. Um, what do you what do you make of him in the fifteen jersey? Um. I, I think all the Brumbies players have been very good at doing their role without necessarily standing out. But to be honest, he's probably not the player that I would highlight in the in the back one for the Brums. I actually think Tamati Tua in the last two weeks has probably been their most important player. He's been mm-hmm. exceptional at getting over the gain line and really creating the the forward momentum that I think we saw Ari Simone do so well for many years for the Brumbies. And, you know, we talked about how hard it was going to be to replace him. And I think Tamari Tua is actually really growing into that jersey. So I think he's probably the most important man in the back line. Um, on, on the Tars, with Len, with Len Igatow out, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I think it, he's, he was so good last week that it really made up for, for Len Igatow. But, mm. you know, obviously they're not probably getting the value out of Oli Saps, but to, to replace, you know, such a class Wallaby at this stage, which is a big, big ask for anyone. Mm. Um, on the Waratah side of things, you know, we mentioned Hooper, but in the back line, the, the big talking point surely is going to be Will Harrison coming back. Um, they've been looking for an answer to their 15 jersey. Max Jorgensen may be a chance there as well. But what do you think? I, I personally think he's probably just going to sit slot, slot, sorry, straight back into the 15 jersey. We had a good chat to him at the game on the weekend. They said they put a quarter zone into his, into his toe because um, there was a bit of inflammation around the toe and he was in a boot on the day, but he said he's very, very likely to be just taking that off and getting back into things. So I think they were just treating him conservatively. So he was going to be right to to launch this week. And I, I'm expecting him to be back to 100 and to partner Donaldson for the uh, the partnership that works so well for them in the under-20s. Mate, that's um, that's music to my ears, uh, sitting on my fantasy bench, just waiting to unleash him. But um, no, I agree. I mean, I think I think you're right. They have been looking for an answer at 15. Um, and to me, you slot him straight. If he's fit and available, you slot him straight in. He's by far your best your best shot. Um, and yeah, he really will bring an extra element to the attack that they kind of need. And and that second ball player, like Donaldson, yeah, Donaldson's a ten, and he's not a fifteen for for mine. Um, so Harrison is the only player that can bring an extra you know element to that attack at fifteen. So yeah, that's very exciting to think of. Um, what about the what about the centers? I see you've got some notes here about the centers. Uh, look, it's it's just going to be how they actually try and act, play through that, right? Like I thought, Joey Walton looked pretty good in his first game out, but you know, by no means has he has he owned that jersey. So you know, they could still play the the Edmund Edmed twelve jersey, but I, I don't think it'll happen. I think it's probably going to be Joey Walton again. Um, and we'll Isaiah see, we'll see all, all, all three tens out there: Dono at ten, Edmed at twelve, and Harrow. I mean, well, if you're if you're playing the Will Harris, Gleason, and Swinton back row, maybe <laughs> that's not so bad. Um, but look, the other the other changes: Mark Dwanganidawasi is yet to have a rest as well, but he's definitely going to be in that All Blacks in the Wallaby sorry resting protocols at some point as well. Uh, Look, I agree, but but also by the same token, I mean, show me a greater physical specimen. Uh, the man doesn't need rest. I think he just rests. Uh, well, he rest, he's resting while he's playing the game. You know what I mean? Okay, fine. You're throwing me Joseph Sawali. You're pointing to him in your background image. He's a pretty good physical specimen too. Uh, yeah. 
these blokes are resting while they're playing. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so it's a nonsense. There's resting. Yeah, look, um, he's obviously not going to be the bloke in the top tier. You know, the, the Wallabies talked about three tiers of their resting protocol, and he's not going to be top tier. But it wouldn't surprise me if he was in the second tier and he had to rest a couple of games this week. So if Jaw goes back, I could see them going Harrison at fullback, Jorgo and his wing. He gets a rest. And then depending on what they've got to uh, to hold the bench spot there, and then that way you've got you know you've got the excitement of Jorgensen and uh, and Harrison starting as well. That, that's how I think it'll probably play. Yeah, well, Harry Wilson came off the bench last time for his debut, and he actually looked quite good. Uh, I thought. And sorry, and Ben, and, and we're, we are actually running over Ben Dowling, who started at fifteen last week. Um, I actually thought he looked quite good. Um, yeah, he, I agree. He, he, he caught all uh, all the all the kicks, made good kicks back, like didn't really make any mistakes. Um, I thought he was, I don't want to say serviceable because I think that's just like a, you know, just doing the job, but I, I think he was better than serviceable. I think he was. Andy Muirhead-esque. I mean, look, any, everyone, anyone, you're better than Andy Muirhead, so it's, <laughs> let's not uh, make comparisons like that. But um, no, uh, yeah, so anyway, we could we could just see Ben Dowling run out again at fullback. Um, yeah, yeah, look, I, I agree. Actually, um, we did an interview with Pick and Drive at halftime and he was the player I, I called out as just really surprised me with how solid he looked. But anyway, on that, Craigs, let's go to the tip, mate. What have you, uh, what have you got? Waratahs by how many? Uh, Waratahs, but no, unfortunately, um, I can't. I can't see the Tars winning this one. I'm going to say the Brumbies by... I'll keep it nice and low, though. I'll say the Brumbies by five. Wow, okay. So the line's nine and a half. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to be loyal here, right? I'm wearing yeah, my... you, You've done very well. I'm not that loyal, mate. <laughs> I'm going to go not until this bloke, Joseph Swally, is in the, in the team. Then I'll be loyal. Uh, Brumbies by 12 for me. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Yep, the Tars. Um, yeah. Very good. And now this does actually take us now to the Sunday game. I jumped the gun earlier. But the one game we have on Sunday is um, there's going to be a really forceful hurricane uh, in Wellington. No, okay. The hurricane's taking on the force. That was terrible. I, I don't know. It's getting too late at night. And that's the uh, issue with my puns now. Um, hurricanes are taking on the force in Wellington. Uh, no new injuries report for the Canes out of this one. Uh, Bryce Hegarty, the only one for the force. He was pulled pre-game with a back injury. Uh, and returning, the Canes will have Geordie Barrett coming back after his All Blacks rest week, which he spent actually with um, an AFL club and the Melbourne Storm all week, just training with them, trying to get some uh, add some new strings to his bow. Uh, I was like, mate, calm down. You're already good enough. And why are we giving him... Why, why are Australian teams giving him more uh, training? Okay, can we not... Anyway, I, I actually genuinely think he's just trying to drum up his uh, his price tag because the mm-hmm. AFL could genuinely sign him. He's got a long enough kick and he's big oh, enough and strong 100%. enough. And, yeah, he'd be a phenomenal fullback, whatever they call that. Oh, mate, well, so yeah. I, I reckon that's more what it is. He's, he's, uh, his manager's told him to do that 100%. So, so yeah, so after the World Cup um, this year, next year, his, contra- his, his France contract's through. He goes, mate, I'm getting offers everywhere, you know. But um, anyway. I mean, if Hunt and Flower <laughs> could do it, mate, Jordy Barrett could do it at a canter. Yeah, 100%. Um, and then <clears throat> Lomax um, could be back. Was it just an all-black rest week for him? Is that what we got? Um, yeah, I think so. Like they, they didn't really talk about it too much at all. But, yeah, him, him and uh, Barrett were the, the two obvious all-black rest weeks. Okay. And the so, other yeah, one, that, that's what I would think. Yeah, and the only one for the force is the player that Harry's been trying to forget exists, uh, Manasa Mataeli. Could we see him back? He didn't play last week. Um, he's not injured. He's just... I hope not. He's just not playing. So, um, yeah. Harry, after dropping him last week, would be devastated if he was back starting. But um, then again, can also pick him up because uh, you get one of the first picks, Harry. So it's all good. Mate. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Well, do you want to kick us off? Hurricanes. Uh, talk about the Canes. What do you reckon? I, I, I think along with the Chiefs, they've probably been the most blessed in terms of their injury run at the moment. They just they seem to be able to put their strongest team on the park every single week. Um, they, then they're, they're just building confidence, building connections. So it's it's working very, very well for the Hurricanes at the moment. I think um, we may see just a rotation Getting a holo back to the bench is probably my call. Jules Sevilla probably gets another start and an opportunity to take that jersey back, but he must be feeling the pressure at Kinney at the moment because, let's be honest, no one's taking Ray Arcee's jersey, so that's where the pressure is going to come on. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I agree with you, and I think uh, if we don't see... So I think either Keeney or um, Sevilla, one of them will be starting, and the other one, I think... I expect to drop out of the 23. So last week, obviously Julian came off the bench and had quite a good game off the bench. But um, I think that Balen Sullivan, um, he l- looked really, really good uh, playing at 13, but this week with Jordy Barrett back to 12, Billy Proctor has been too good to drop. So I think we'll see him move back to 13 unless they want to give him a rest, but I don't see why they would want to do that. And that would mean Balen Sullivan to the bench for mine because he covers 13 and the wings uh, so yeah, I agree with you. I think it's toss a coin. Do they give Kenny another run or Julian back in there starting? Um, and yeah, I see Balin to the bench unless they want to give Billy Proctor a rest. Um, and yeah, uh, Ray Arcee, exactly. You're not right. They gave Ray Arcee a random rest last week, I think it was. So, um, he's he's starting, yeah, no, he's, he's not due now. Yeah, that, that's why Kenny got the got the run last week. So, yeah, look, there's just too much depth there. And, and you know, I think the biggest talking point, surely, is that is Billy Proctor now the brother himself that is the best centre in the world? Because he's always been the brother of the best centre in the world. And the form that he's in, surely he's the better Proctor. Yeah, and that that for uh, for those that haven't been listening to us long enough, that's for, uh, you know, old um, Hurricanes coach uh, Boyd, um, just saying that Matt Proctor was by far the best center in the world for years, just kept saying that. So um, so we've always referred to Billy Proctor as the brother of the best center in the world. But yeah, he's he's probably usurping old Matt, Matt Proctor, sure. you have to say. So yeah. Um, I mean, let's talk about the 9-10 for the Canes. Cam Roygaard's the halfback of the competition. You know, Tate, you say Tate McDermott, Tate who these days? It's Cam Roygaard. Um but, 100%. Uh, him and um and Brett Cameron BC's locked down that jersey um for sure. I just think uh, you know, Aiden Morgan's um, a young said, but Brett Cameron just just been doing nailing his job really really well. Probably less exciting than Aiden Morgan, but um, I just think he's been really good at pivot steering them around the park and getting the ball where it needs to go. I, I disagree. I think he's been just as exciting as Aiden Morgan. I think he's running the first couple of weeks, the first week maybe he was a little bit quiet, and I think we all kind of talked him down because of that. But I thought he's been really good at picking his moments, attacking the line. He looks class. He looks even better than I would have expected, considering the uh, the the raps that we had on him when he was a young player coming through for the Crusaders that got his first All Blacks cap. He is very very good. And I think he's putting his hand up into contention for the post-World Cup, you know, All Blacks kind of test match tens. He's that good. So wow, that's don't, good. Get, oh. don't get me wrong, mate. There's a lot of competition there. But he is very good. I, I would pick him over Bryn Gatland in a heartbeat. But that's just me. Um, here we go. We've had a we've had a turnaround here. We're just gonna, I wish we could just edit in just uh, playback from uh, you trashing him in round. Oh, I was not trashing him, mate. That was you <laughs> and Nelson. That was All definitely right. not me. And like, like you said, I'm with your Roy guards just 
exceptional, mate. He's he's absolutely phenomenal. So, look, their, their team's going very, very well. Um, the question is going to be just who do they roll out in their in their loose forwards because they seem to just be rotating at the moment. Surely Karipi gets another chance at the moment. But he does seem to have slid down the picking order a little bit. So maybe maybe we don't see him uh, week in, week out anymore. I reckon, look, obviously, Artie's your eight. He's had his rest week. Uh, yeah, he's enforced rest week. Flanders is your six. He didn't really like oh, How good Flanders player. looking. As soon as I drop him, mate, he's coming to his own. This is what I wanted to see from him. Absolutely. And then, um, look, I mean, do, do you want the yellow card machine or do you want Peter Lackey? Um, You want Peter Lackey. That's what I'm saying. Okay? I just don't think Peter Lackey is a seven in any way. <laughs> Get him on, mate. It's fine. All right. You don't know who needs seven. Yeah, anyway. it's fine. Um, it's fine. And then, I mean, Artie is a seven and an eight, let's be honest. hundred percent. So, uh, yeah. And then up front, they've been doing really well. Numia has been crushing it. Asafo Mua just played his 50th, um, which is amazing already. But uh, And he, he's been crushing it. Um and Lomax to come back and start and he's been having some good games. So and Dane Coles, you know, he's the other one that we didn't mention should be back this week after his rest week as well. For sure, for sure. Um, so I mean, we could see Amua go back to the bench. Who knows? Doesn't if you're a fantasy manager and have Amua, it doesn't phase you whether he starts or on the bench. It, it, that makes no difference. So that's good news. But um, yeah, Hashtag I think get Mattelli on. That's it. I was going to say Let's the only last the one on the is they're going to do this. They don't have to change anything, really. It's just the selection headaches. That's all. That's the only thing they got to do. But um, the force, do we just say hashtag get Mata Elion and then just stop it there? Is that is that a, is that job? No, done? Just sort your shit out. That's that's my personal opinion. For me, um, it's, it's not even just hashtag get Mata Elion. It's actually hashtag get Mata Elise on. I want to see Rukeni Mata Elion as well. You know, <laughs> just like double your Mata Eli input on the team. Um but no, look, we did say Tony Pula was really, really good. Um, Zach Kibarigi has been has been pretty good as well. But Martelli should be starting on the right wing every week. Um, he's not right, mate. There's no way he's right. They said he missed round one with an Achilles tendon issue, as did Falau Fengar. Not the week just gone around four. Fengar missed another week with it with that Achilles issue. So I actually reckon both of them are struggling at the moment with uh, with their preseason injuries. I think that they're. They're um they're in trouble with their loading at the moment. And I think that's probably why you're not seeing the explosive Matteo that we're used to. Um, but yeah, still I don't care. Put him on one leg. He's, he's your entire one. fantasy team was banking on. Um, but you know, it's. A- I had another one as well, mate. You know, I've been calling George Pullman the pool boy. I actually think we should call him Dick Fingers because every time he touches the ball, he fucks it. <laughs> Ah, oh, you heard it here first. The great takes from the draft rugby show. Um, <laughs> we'll see if we can get that nickname to stick. Yeah, yeah sure. The commentators will roll with that this week. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, look, I mean, the force, look, the backs, um, yeah, I think Sam Spink uh, is, is definitely should be their, their 13 for sure. Yeah. He's, to me, he's, he's great. The most, he's, he's the most, uh, gives them the most go forward in that back line. Um, so he came back from his little injury on Niggle and he looked really, really good. And, yeah. um, and then... Just missed a I few mean, big tackles, I thought, was the only thing for him, but he'll get better. I think he had to make 16 or something, so... Yeah. He'll be well, forgiven. Yeah. You had to make 16 in the hardest position, defensive yeah. position on the field, so... Um, and then otherwise, yeah, Hamish Stewart started at 10 last week uh, with Bryce Hegarty out. Um, I think, look, Hamish Stewart was a 10 for years. Then he played so much 12 at the Reds um, that he's turned himself into quite a good 12. And I think that's really where his strength lies now. So um, okay. I think I think we made the points that being back at ten actually nullified some of his what he's made his strength now. And you know, running less, breaking less tackles, and kind of just shoveling it along, trying to get it out. You know, so um, I don't know how long 
Bryce Hagen, his back injury is four. Uh, if we have he, he went into back spasm, so that could be better in a week. It, it, it often takes a couple of weeks, to be honest, but there's a chance he's back this week. But if, if he does, they'll just push him out to 10, 12, and obviously he keeps ben, Sam Spink at 13. So it, it'll just be how quickly he can recover, which it could be very, very fast. So watch that space. Like I said, they may even make the late call during the week just mm-hmm. to try and give him every chance of playing. But um and it's yeah, I agree, Stuart. Just, I don't think he has the vision at 10 at the moment to compete with the best of them. Well, I was going to say, it's interesting. You, you think you kind of go on size by, if, if for example, you were starting Bailey Kunzel at 12, because he's, he's a bigger body than um than Hamish Stewart, you'd start Stewart at 10, Kunzel at 12. But perhaps it's better to start Kunzel at 10 and Hamish Stewart at 12, just the way that they play. I mean, Kunzel really can play 10, 12, 13. Yeah, 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 right. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't hate that, to be honest. I think that's a good idea. And Kunzel's got the bigger boot as well. He's doing most of the, the kicking, the long kicking for the team as well. So, I mean, there's a lot to like about that, but I, I don't think it'll happen. But I think it's a, a good option for sure. Um, for the forwards, um, the, the coach said at the end of the game, who I, I just can't mention his name right now because he keeps resting the best player in the in the team by a country mile. So we'll never again. Um, he he mentioned that a, a fair few of the players were carrying niggles and were pretty sore. And when he said that, about a minute later, they showed Fosse Artho limping off the field with his sore hip, which we know has been an ongoing issue for him. Um, I, I just wonder if they give him a bit of a rest and Pew finally gets his shot. I, uh, I, you know, we've had such big raps on him in the preseason as a player coming through, and they've just shown him zero respect to uh, to get any game time. So I wonder if it could be his week. He might get a start. That's my call. I reckon it'll be interesting. They either do that, or in 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 line with showing him absolutely no respect, I I think what what they'll actually do is um, pick up another shoot shield player. They'll get Ryan McCauley and Kalapu to start in the locks, and they'll put Jeremy Williams at six, Michael Wells back to eight. Ollie Callan at seven. That's your. I like. Team. I do like Williams at six. That sounds great to me. Yeah, I know it does, but uh, <laughs> but I, I think that they'll do. That. I don't know what what it is about. Just um, I mean, my only problem with Pew is that he just he doesn't. He's not like he's slow. Basically, like that's the only problem I have. He's just um, he kind of lumbers around a bit. But um, which is I why I think you've seen enough of him. I don't. I don't think we've really given him the opportunity. That's all. So I'm, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think that. <laughs> there's a better chance that William starts at six at this point with how far down the pecking order he is. But we'll see. I, I just think that they're probably due a rest or two for a couple of their players that have probably had big work rates as well. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Or of course, Tim Anstey at six and Wells at eight. You know, that, that's also another possibility, but yeah. Cause I don't think Anstey's injured. I think he's available. So um, yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll be available. Yep. So yeah, this game, um, I mean, look for mine, uh, it's just hurricanes by how much, um, I think I'll go first on tipping this one, Harry, uh, to help you out here. I'm going to say the Hurricanes playing at home against the force, against an injured niggly force with probably no Mata Elion. Uh, I'm going to say the Canes by... Mm, I'm going to say... I feel like saying 25, but I want to say 30. I'm going to say 25. We'll go 25. I uh I like I like what you're putting putting down. You know the the force of being gutsy. I thought that they were going to get done by early twenties last week, and there was a point there where I thought it might have blown out, but they kind of hung around and and just showed that they had the guts to stay with it. But um, mm. I reckon would you say twenty five? I'm going to go twenty four because I'm <laughs> making them twenty four definitely. I reckon if, I, if I'd said 30, you would have gone 29, you know what I mean? Just uh, like, I did have 28 written down to start. Yeah, that's what I <laughs> oh, 
How good. Um, beauty. Well, that's uh, that concludes our main course, uh, previewing round six of Super Rugby. Uh, can Harry um, pick up some players to get himself off the bottom of the fantasy table? Harry, how many fixtures have you won this year in fantasy uh, 2023? I uh, can, cannot confirm or deny those numbers. <laughs> Sorry, I cannot recall. Uh, I cannot recall. <laughs> uh, very good. Well, for the listeners, it's zero. Um, but um, <laughs> right, let's, um, let's push on to some deserto. What's God do with that deserto? Do what do I need that? No, I can cut that bit out easily now. That's good. Excellent. Um, Deserto, look, I think we'll do, we can wrap it up in about two minutes, but it's just talking about the next Wallabies fullback, Joseph Suwali. Get in there, son. Uh, when I saw that they are willing to pay whatever I... I 1.6 you know, mil, apparently. I wish they just would send send the Draft Rugby Show a um, an email. I mean, we'll go out there and crowdfund. We'll raise money. I mean, I'll chip in 1.6 mil. Let's just get him in. You know what I mean? Like just. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, the size of your... Uh... Your pantry, you probably could chip in 1.6 mil, mate. <laughs> yeah, I'll just sell everything in my pantry. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll donate everything in my pantry to feed him. You know what I mean? Or yeah, very good. Very good. But, um, but honestly... Uh, uh, my big question, like... other than is it worth it, is how many seasons will it take you to learn how to say his name? <laughs> I also knew that I butchered it. I thought we could just sail on, but no, you've uh, you've got me on that. Look, I'll learn to say his name once he's in a in a Super Rugby uh, jersey. Uh, I like it. Yeah, or, fair or, enough. Wallabies jersey. Um, the only thing that's devastating for me is it's 2025. I hate this, and they get me all excited with these big headlines with these league players, and then it's it's never it's never now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I can't believe you can sign someone that far away. Like, who cares, mate? Exactly. Just the only time that I remember something like this happening was when Nick White signed for the Wallabies like 18 months out, just so he had a contract so he could play for Australia. Yeah. Like, you might see him on the tour this year. So he could be on the spring tour this is, year. Is that he, possible? He's 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 he can go. Is that, is that possible? He can. I'm pretty sure. Send him straight. That's what happened with Nick I don't White. care. I'll start. Look, if I, I basically I want to start Jordy Pattaya at 15 for the Wallabies this year, but we all know that he's going to get injured. So send in Suali. Just NRL Grand Final strolls off, jumps on the plane. I can't see the Roosters having any problem with that in his current contract. Absolutely, Look, I, I'm uh, I'm very excited. I, I did put some stuff up on Twitter just to see what people's thoughts were around how the the uh, Australian Rugby Australia is spending their money. But I think you know the honest truth is that they probably don't have their, their money themselves. I think it's probably from some benefactors that are keen to get these big names into the game. So it's not like they're taking 1.6 mil away from the women's game or away from grassroots rugby. Um, if, if rich benefactors want to drop in 1.6 mil into our kitty to help us bring him over, I am all for it. Keep 100%. going. It's, it's, it's the same as for Lau. It's the Australian Rugby Foundation or whatever. Uh, it's probably a mil of that um, or something. So yeah. And um, and look, the only thing I would have done is because um, I'm very upset with him is I would have not signed uh, Vunavali to another two years or whatever and taken that money and chucked it on top as the cherry on top and instead of 2025 uh, moved that back to 2024 or 2023. You know, give him an extra mil, put it on there. I don't care. Yeah, to be uh, fair, with the pay cut that Vunavali's had, they probably did do that. <laughs> yeah, true, true. But um, anyway, so no, it's very exciting. I mean. The player who I'm now, I think it's now too late for that, you know, I've been hoping for in the last couple of years to see um, in the Waratahs and then hopefully in the Wallabies was Angus Crichton. But I think uh, I think the ship sailed on that almost yeah. now. Um, I, I agree, mate. There's, there's not a lot of really big name rugby league players that I think will come across. I think the, the biggest names like Cam Murray, that kind of stuff, I just don't think it's going to happen. 
Um, anyone else that comes across will have to really prove themselves in the code rather than just being walk-up all-stars like Suwali'i. So this is the big moment signing that Eddie's been uh, been pushing for, for ever since he took the job. And my highlight of this whole process was Peter Vlandi, also known as the horse guy from now on, uh, thanks to Eddie Jones, coming out and just being like a bitter school kid, like, oh, I can see, could see why he wants to go, you know, getting double the money for half the work. Like, I can see why he want to do that, but he'll come back to the Roosters before he finishes his career. The guy is just such a bitter school kid. It's just so enjoyable to watch him squirm. And I hope Eddie just keeps digging and twisting the knife. Like, it's oh, it's so fun. I love 100%. it. 100%. Look, the, the 1.6 mil, they've done that for the headlines. And also... How many how many rugby league fans are you going to get to now watch because they want to see how he goes because they will hope that he fails or something you know what I mean like we're going to get some extra eyeballs on TV now uh, so it's um it's great stuff but yeah the only problem with it is it's two years away but yeah I hadn't thought about it if like Nick White he's because he's signed he can technically play for the Wallabies surely Eddie can find a way to spin that get him straight into the squad you know what I mean let's let's do it you know run him out in June let's do it yeah I'm with <laughs> mid roosters he pretends to pull a hammy and just disappears yeah exactly he's like guys i just need a week i need a week off i just need to i need a holiday and he's just off with the wallabies sometimes. i need a mental health break <laughs> yeah oh how good but um all right anyway very good anything any any further business any last items for uh for the draft rugby show episode 11 no but what i would say the last thing is um like subscribe five-star review Kagi's going to give a personal thank you to whoever gives a five-star review at the end of the podcast. And if you get, if we get three five-star reviews for this episode, we'll never have Nelson back again. Uh, uh, I'll, you should, I'll make that happen. So that's fine. <laughs> How good. Um, Kagi would like to thank David Gargreg. <laughs> yeah, I have three Google accounts. So I can do that right now. So, uh, but But just like I can do it, so can you, the listeners. Get onto it um and of course you can check us out on youtube um as well so thanks for listening and um thank you i hope you enjoyed a nelsonless week um you know certainly your ears will be better for it uh and um we will catch you again for episode 12 next week thank you